If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth, as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. Today's episode is a little bit more of a business-focused topic, and I love that because, as you guys know, I try to keep topics diverse and hitting various areas of life. And of course, I always try to focus on people who do have conventional careers or are in career fields that may be more aligned with you guys because I know that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. Um, But with that being said, I love knowledge and I want to always bring new information to you guys, especially if you have a curious mind, even if you have no interest in pursuing something on your own business related that's totally fine i think it's still amazing though to have the knowledge to know what goes on behind building a business and the reality of failing and starting again which is a huge topic we talk about today with ariel who is today's guest Um, but a little bit about her From two failed businesses and a typical nine to five, Arielle wanted more for herself and to live like a millionaire. She transformed her life by learning how to scale social media monetization and grow a loyal following, becoming her own testimonial for her business. Arielle grew her social media by 150,000 followers in 10 months. 
Hello, credibility check. As a result, Arielle persisted in launching her business, Monetize Your Social Media, in 2020, generating 500000 in revenue in only 12 months. Would you believe me if I told you it all started with an ebook? Arielle's first offering was a $20 ebook all about how to grow your following on Instagram, making $100,000 in 90 days. The best part was growing her social media following simultaneously using the tips from her ebook, demonstrating the power it held to her audience. Today, the 27-year-old Virginia-based businesswoman has several online courses, masterclasses, and ebooks that focus on helping entrepreneurs monetize their Instagram. Arielle's mission is to teach other hustlers and entrepreneurs her strategies to make money in the digital space. So, of course, as you can tell, Arielle's background comes from building a business through social media and how she used her platform to monetize. But we actually do touch a lot on just, again, the basics of building a business from taxes, incorporating your business, how she started from scratch and what she did or didn't do or what she wished she did. And I really find this conversation relatable because I think there's a lot of behind the scenes struggles that a lot of young entrepreneurs go through in their 20s that you might not hear about as much. And I really appreciate that Ariel was open and vulnerable about some of the things that she had to go through, like when she realized her one business was not doing sustainably and she was kind of relying on her parents for help. And so that pushed her over the edge to go back home to Virginia and work a nine to five and really start from there. And that is the reality of being in business because you have to make enough to suit your lifestyle, right? And so I truly believe all of that is a mindset. It comes from experience. It comes from succeeding and failing and doing that all over again. And we talk a lot about that on this episode. So with that being said, we will get into it. Well, Arielle, thank you so much for hopping on today. I'm excited, as I mentioned, to chat about everything Instagram, social media strategy, like I said, haven't had someone on this podcast for that. But before we get into it, I really would love for you to share a little bit about your background. Did you go to school, your childhood, your upbringing? I feel like that context always gives a lot of people insight into, okay, how certain things led on to, you know, where they're at. So could you share some of that? Sure. Um, I'll make it kind of a shorter story, but uh, essentially both my parents are entrepreneurs. So um, I always had that inspiration from them, seeing them like own their own businesses. But then I got into, you know, entrepreneurship myself. I went to school for it. So I went to University of Miami and I started studying that. Um, And so I went to the business school. You know, I always wanted to get into something that I could have like my own business for. And out of college, I actually got into the music industry. And I was doing that for four years as an entrepreneur. I moved to New York. Um, but because the the music industry is pretty fickle. So although we kept seeing success, quote unquote, like I was managing three artists at a time and they were they were all independent artists and we were doing things, you know, <clears throat> I was having meetings with A&Rs and we were in talks with getting deals. We had a distribution deal made at least. And I got one of my artists verified, one to open up for Travis Scott, meet Mill, Rick Ross, like all this stuff that seems super successful on the outside. 
was just on the outside. Like on the inside, I was broke. I really wasn't making any money at all. Um, the streams, you know, that's how artists get paid. It's either from merch or from streams. So although I was seeing success on the outside, um, I was truly broke. Like I was living off my parents and that's when I decided I had to get a nine to five. Like I had to get my first real job and I moved from New York to Virginia. While I was doing that, I still had that entrepreneurship spirit and I released my first digital product. I also got licensed as a realtor, but that digital product, that's what made me my first six figures in just three months time. And it was all from one ebook that I was selling through Instagram. No, remembering that from your experience, how you said that from the outside looking in, it seemed like you were successful, but you were, you know, not doing well financially. Do you have any advice for people that feel that way? You know, because that can definitely become an insecurity, right? Where you are in a good career, even in a nine to five, but like, you know, with taxes and everything. And I live in New York City, so it's it's so expensive, right? So it's it's very easy for people to perceive like you have a lot of disposable income for doing something, but that may not be the case. Any advice for those that feel that way that can help get them out of that insecurity? You guys, I've been drinking Magic Mind for months now, and I have to say it's freaking gold. I mean, it literally tastes so good that I sometimes drink it twice a day, which, by the way, nothing wrong with doing so, but they do recommend only one a day. So that goes to show how much I do really love this stuff. And I did drink one before starting my workday today. So why I love Magic Mind so much is because it actually makes me feel really calm and focused and it's also that perfect push that gets me into my flow state which is what it's meant to do. And I'll share a few key facts and ingredients in this product. So it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee. If you drink coffee for energy and focus, I personally don't. I like to drink Magic Mind with my coffee or just after because the morning coffee and just making coffee, like I just don't want to give that up. It also helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And the best part, it is all natural ingredients, including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been thinking about it for a while, I highly recommend you give this a try. It comes in a box of 15, and it's definitely the perfect amount for the month. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Enjoy. Um, yeah, I think we get a lot of that insecurity through comparison yeah. and really not knowing people's full story. So like mm-hmm. on Instagram, it looked like we were doing things. It looked like we were popping, looked like, you know, we were out in LA and like all this stuff. but we all had to like pull our money together for dinner that night you know Mm. so you never know what someone else is going through so if you're comparing yourself to somebody else like just don't and then also embrace where you're at like all of us I assume you're in your 20s we're in our 20 somethings you know we're millennials Mm -hmm. and we're we're all kind of in the same boat right now financially we're all trying to figure it out yeah trying to make more money trying to get that multiple streams going so just understand that whatever path you're on you're going to be fine. You just got to be patient with it. Yeah. 
So you mentioned the digital product. Can you share where, where did that initial thought come from? Where did that idea come from? How did you market it so that it, you know, led to your first six figures? Yes. So it really came from seeing other people online release eBooks. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, I can do that. I don't see mm-hmm. why not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I created my first eBook. It was on Instagram growth mm-hmm. and I released it at only like a thousand followers or so. Mm. So even though I had a small following, I was trying to tell people, here's how you grow on Instagram. Yeah. And I learned that from the music industry because I was managing three artists. I was managing their social media accounts. Yeah. I grew their Instagrams to like, you know, 10,000 followers here, 50,000 followers there. And that's the one artist that got verified. So I knew what I was talking about. I just had to show people that I knew what I was talking about. And eventually my page became the social proof for my strategies working. I grew to a hundred thousand followers as well yeah. in like five months. Right. And all of that came from the strategies I had in my ebook. So people were like, okay, I'm going to buy this. Like it's proven to work, not just for her, but for others too. Right. Right. And then, so you said you got that experience though, through managing artists and everything, did you apply? So you said too, you released the ebook at 1000 followers. So were you working on your Instagram at like after you had already released the ebook to show proof and to like, I guess, multitask and sell the ebook at the same time? At what point did it like the ebook really like start to skyrocket in sales? Um, Within 30 days, like it really oh, wow. took off. Like I made $25,000 the first month it was released. At the same time, I was growing my own audience. So even though I started with a thousand, I was growing rapidly. Like this is 2020 Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were growing during that time. I don't know if it was because of the pandemic and more people were online. I don't know what it was. It was just a very opportune time to build a brand. And so I was doing that, you know, I was posting every single day. I was mm-hmm. also doing um, shout out pages. So I was working with other pages that had a larger following than me mm-hmm. who would promote smaller businesses. So I got a lot of uh, my audience from those type mm-hmm. of promotional techniques, but I was growing at the same time that I was selling. Mm, okay. Wow. That's really smart too. And then, mm-hmm. so obviously as well, you talk a lot about content strategy. Have you seen it change since 2020? And if so, in what ways have you seen it? Evolve? I mean, because actually we, we both know like it, involve, it evolves every single year. It's constantly yeah. changing. The algorithm is constantly changing. The What people are looking for is always changing. So what have you mm-hmm. noticed in the past two years and how have you personally shifted your strategy and what you tell your audience? Yes. Yeah, so Instagram is a lot different. Like if I were to do what I was doing in 2020, it probably would not work as effectively today. And that's because of the introduction of reels, the whole Mm -hmm. platform and the algorithm has shifted to cater to video content. So you basically have to be a video content creator now, if you want to grow online, like, or on Instagram in particular, like you have to be, that's kind of required. Uh, So my content strategy has shifted. I am trying to do that. I wouldn't say that, um, you know, I am the expert just yet. Like I'm still learning because the changes are so new. A lot mm-hmm. of us are still testing. We're still trying things out. Um, but I've had a couple of viral reels. I'm starting to get the, you know, best practices in place so I can teach others. But essentially that's my strategies, maybe posting ideally a reel a day. 
Um, mm-hmm. but even I don't keep up with that all the time, but that would be the best growth strategy for 2022. What what was the difference from the time you had grown to 100,000 followers in the five months? Was it, because again, obviously mm-hmm. too, back in 2020, I do remember Reels was not out yet until maybe the later part of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always yeah. been like a, f- a fan of photos too, to be honest. I was always like the photography blogger type person. And so obviously it sucks mm-hmm. to kind of see that. I love Reels as well, but as we all know, it's changing to compete with TikTok and everything like that. But what were you doing from that time? Just so people too, because I think there's a lot of people that are like, what the hell? Like my strategy doesn't work mm-hmm. from th- two, three years ago compared to now. And, and they might be yeah. down on themselves, <laughs> but like, again, you had that experience, you went through that. What was that difference from back then? Yeah, my, I mean, my growth has definitely slowed for this year, but in 2020, I was focused on a lot of graphics. So I would do a lot of like infographics, mm um and a lot of quotes and I actually barely showed my face like I show my face like almost every post now Mm -hmm. but before I didn't really do it as often people wanted just the value from my infographics so if you go back through my posts you can see how my old Instagram was structured you can see that I had a grid pattern going on which was really popular which means like every other photo is like you know um kind of cohesive looking. Mm -hmm. I kind of invented this style that a lot of people started to duplicate because it was starting to be really successful. And I had like this yellow border and I had like my graphics or whatever. Um, And then eventually I realized graphics were not getting as many likes anymore. They weren't getting as much engagement. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, like time to reinvent myself, time to rebrand. And so I let go of it. For your, so at the time too, because I see a lot of talk about, the three things you need to focus on in Instagram is, you know, you're either entertaining or providing value, inspiring. Yeah. So how do you still believe that those three apply today? Or is that something that has shifted to maybe more of something else? Um, no, they all apply still. Yeah. Those, those are like the components of what valuable content is. Either someone is learning something from you, so they're getting that benefit. They're inspired by you. They're motivated by your content or they're just relating to you because it's entertaining. It's funny, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really, that's really it to making great content. I would say it's, it's the same and it probably will remain the same because that's what people resonate with. I, and I see too, that you talk about different parts of the strategy, like including captions, right? What are common mistakes that people are not including in captions, especially let's say business owners like yourself or those that are maybe mm-hmm. bloggers and creators? What are some tactics that you use that you notice, okay, this really works well, this doesn't. And then we'll also dive into hashtag strategy as well. Yes. So there is a framework to writing like the perfect caption, Mm. Um, a caption that makes sales in particular. Like that's what I like to teach people how to do. Um, And so there's kind of like a formula to it that I've discovered that has worked time and time again. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll give you a little bit, but I actually have an entire course on this, Mm -hmm. but essentially you want to have a catchy headline in the very first line. Mm -hmm. So the very first line needs to grab your reader's attention Mm-hmm. If you're saying like, happy Friday, I'm at the beach. Like that's not enticing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about yourself. You want to talk about them. You want to talk about the the customer. So you want to yeah. use a lot of you language. You want to have something like three tips you need to absolutely know in XYZ niche. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, wow, like, let me, let me expand the caption. Let me read the yeah. whole thing. Cause yeah. you want to stop the scroller. 
Yeah. Um, and then you kind of get into like the meaty part of the caption. You provide even more value mm-hmm. in the caption itself that relates to the content that you posted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also want to sign off with a call to action. So you want to mm-hmm. tell them where they can go mm-hmm. to get your resources, to book a call, to mm-hmm. DM you, whatever. Right, right. So what are some mistakes that you see that people miss out on them? What are some things that people are commonly doing? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe both in like the, from a business standpoint, as well as a creator standpoint, like even because I think what people tend to think is like, okay, those are great, but some people get scared of sounding too salesy. How does one yeah. kind of mesh that together to actually, again, be strategic with how they're captioning, but also still incorporate that storytelling, that realistic, authentic aspect? Yeah. So that, that's really the key that you just said is how are you going to provide value first and mm-hmm. then you sell later? So a lot of business owners get caught up in buy my stuff. I have my stuff, like go see my stuff, go buy it. Yeah. And they forget that, okay, that didn't build any connection with anybody that yeah. didn't give them any information on what your product is about. Yeah. And so sometimes people don't have enough brand awareness. They don't know what you're selling. They don't know what your offer can do for them. Mm-hmm. And so your, your caption is supposed to educate them on your offer as well. You're supposed mm-hmm. to let them know, like, I see your pain points. Like I see what you're struggling with mm-hmm. and here's the solution. It just so happens to be my offer, right? <laughs> right? So it's like a different approach um, that works for Instagram. So if you're going, the most common mistakes I see is that people either don't talk directly to their ideal client, Mm -hmm. they don't talk about their pain points, Mm -hmm. or they're just get straight into sales mode and they forget to raise brand awareness. They forget to connect with people. What about hashtag strategy? Mm -hmm. Big one. Does it matter? Mm -hmm. There's a couple of questions about hashtags, but first one. Do you think it matters <laughs> if it's in the caption or in the first comment? I'll start with that. Yes. So Instagram made an update and they're like, put your caption or put your hashtags in the very first line of the caption, not a comment. So that's uh-huh. where they said it's effective now. And they also went from, you don't need 30 hashtags anymore to five is enough. Uh-huh. And at the same time, <laughs> the creator of Instagram or like the guy who runs it, um, he also said hashtags are not the same as they were. Like they don't expand your reach anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the hashtag strategy is just like, we're all like all us creators online are like, do we even use it anymore? Like, what's the point? Yeah. So I mean, it, it does help with discoverability. So if someone finds your hashtag, like they're looking up a hashtag, they see your post, like, okay, you mm-hmm. can find people that way, mm-hmm. but it's not the same where it's like you get a boost. Yeah, like you get, you know, you get, you get your post gets boosted. It's like not the same anymore. What about other hashtag strategies? Then I guess this also applies to TikTok as well. Do you mm-hmm. because, because again, it's it's very different on Instagram as we know com- compared to a few years ago, yeah. and then also just different with the way it's effective on TikTok versus Instagram. Any thoughts on right. on just <laughs> overall hashtag strategy for those that are let's just say for both content creators and potential business owners that are using Instagram or social media as a platform and tool for their business? Yes. So I would say still use hashtags. Um mm-hmm. And still use like five hashtags, follow the rules that Instagram is trying to say that is optimal. So still do that, but do your research on hashtags that are actually effective. So instead of doing hashtag business, where there's a billion people using that same hashtag, it's going to be harder for your post to stand out. It's going to be harder for people to find your page from it. 
So you have to mm-hmm. niche down your hashtags. You have to do the smaller ones that only have like a hundred thousand posts associated with it or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I would go into hashtags with doing your research first. And you can do that by like studying your competitors, stealing theirs, or you can yeah. just, you know, look up some on your own that you just come up with in your head and search for it and see how many posts like are associated with it. What is the difference with the hashtags on TikTok and Instagram? I feel like that's definitely one that a lot of people don't really understand is like the way it's effective on TikTok and the way it's effective on Mm -hmm. Instagram. Um, So I'm still new to TikTok, but if I were to answer this question, I always use hashtags that are trending. Like Mm -hmm. Instagram doesn't necessarily have like trending hashtags, Mm -hmm. but TikTok does. And so I will always use that even if it doesn't necessarily relate <laughs> to my video, yeah. I'll yeah. use the hashtags from like discovery page that are trending. And um, you don't want to use as many or you can actually, no, I think you can actually use more on TikTok than on Instagram. Like Instagram's like, let's use five. Like that's enough. Uh-huh. Whereas TikTok, you can, you can have a bunch if you want, yeah. or you could have two and still go viral. Right. <laughs> so like, right. I'm still personally trying to understand it, mm-hmm. but I just know whenever I use trending hashtags, like that's the way to go. Yeah. And then you also mentioned as well too, with reels, you had some that kind of went viral on Instagram Can you share Mm -hmm. some insight into the strategy behind it or was it kind of luck or is there like a certain time frame or the length of the video that always really helps? Like Mm. I think again, reels are still relatively new to some people and they're still understanding just the strategy behind like what makes one, like, you know, some videos you get like a 400 views, some you get like 14,000 views or like a hundred thousand, you know, so it's like people go, how does that work? (laughs) (laughs) um so there are some best practices with reels as well yeah uh first being to use text Mm -hmm. especially in the first three seconds like you want to you want to let the the viewer know hey this is what the reel is going to be about Mm -hmm. just like a headline once again Mm -hmm. and have that be your cover photo as well so when it's on your page people are like okay, I'm going to watch this reel because it's talking about three mindset tips. And I want to know three mindset tips, like whatever. Um, So have some text. Also use trending audio. Mm -hmm. You always want to use trending audio, even if it's muted. You can just use a trending song, like say you want to talk Mm -hmm. during your reel. Still use trending audio, just bring it all the way down to zero (laughs) because it still can be discoverable that way. Um, And lastly, I would still have a powerful caption, like kind of working through that framework I mentioned earlier, having a call to action, all of that. Yeah. Does the time of posting matter or have you found it to matter for reels? Um, no, not so much. Um, maybe a little bit. So there is, you know, if you have a business account on Instagram, you can see the data to know best times to post. Mm -hmm. So you'll know when your, your followers are most active online. Um, so it probably is best to post then I have noticed that reels take off whether I post in that time slot or not. Oh. And my reels that have gone viral have been less than like 15 seconds. Okay. They have been like shorter videos, um, usually sharing some sort of milestone. Mm-hmm. So when I quit my job and I was like, Hey, I quit my job and I tripled my salary mm-hmm. that went viral <laughs> when oh, I was like, okay. how much money have I made from Instagram? that went viral yeah so whenever I talk about some sort of like personal milestone people really resonate with that they really like that right wow 
That's no, that's insane. Because I think, again, a lot of people don't recognize, because like you said earlier, you started from a time where it was very difficult for you financially, you've realized you had to get like a nine to five job, like, you know, you kind of had to go backwards a little bit in order to go forward with this, right. And so you turn this into what seems like a six figure business in just 12 months. Am I mistaken? Yeah. Yep. And so I got to half a million dollars in 12 months. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So I think another aspect of like creating a business that most people, no matter what it is, whether it's through Instagram or just any kind of business, a lot of people, especially those in our twenties, right. would go, okay, where do I start? How do I do my taxes? How, you know, what mistakes Mm -hmm. do I want to avoid? Right. Can we dive into like the business technical stuff? Right. For you, Mm, what are some, (laughs) let's start with mistakes. What are some mistakes that maybe you made or you were advised on to be wary of as you were yep. growing your business, especially, you know, to that financial point? Um, taxes was a big, a big one. <laughs> like I did not prepare for taxes. I truly did not. Yeah. And only because <laughs> the money was coming in and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? Like, I'm not, I'm, I don't know what to do with this, right. but luckily like my mom, who's an entrepreneur too, like she was, she has a tax preparer. Yeah. She was like, this is what you got to do. And so also from school, like I knew to always track my expenses. Mm-hmm. I always knew to track my business expenses and to get a separate bank account mm-hmm. just for business related transactions. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I did that in the beginning. Um, so luckily I, I saw like at least all my deductions that could be pulled away from my taxes. However, I still did not save enough like at all. And it was, it was crazy to be hit with such a high tax bill. Cause, um, I just wasn't ready. So what I did do, I'm trying to think what I did. Oh, I ended up deferring a little bit, like my tax payment, um, which you can do, but the IRS gives you like a penalty if you do that. Uh, But you can defer your taxes and say like, hey, like I can go on a payment plan with the IRS. Yeah. Or you can just say, I'll pay it on this date, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they charge like some interest to it. So all those business owners out there set aside 30% of what you're making automatically. Anything that comes into your business bank account, transfer 30% to your savings. And you Mm -hmm. can even set up automatic payments if your income is like on the more consistent side. Right. Do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, and that's a good one to mention too, because even for myself as an entrepreneur, that was something that I realized early. I was very worried about that. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't the don't talk about because it's not as fun. Is that right? But like that's a very unknown thing because we get that full amount up front. Whereas, you know, most of the time in in previous times when I was in my nine to five too, you know, you get the taxes taken out, all of that is taken care of for you. So you don't have to worry about you know, setting aside that money for taxes. And that is a huge one that I think a lot of people are unaware about is that, yes, you might get, you know, 100,000 on your sales, but then you have to be mindful about setting aside roughly 30% to report that for taxes. So $30,000 was my first like tax bill. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I was not ready for that at all. Yeah. What is okay. We're here now. Right. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's so great too. I think something else that I've, I've heard from people that would ask me about, and it's probably a good question for you is any advice on, cause you kept track of your own expenses during school for those who maybe let's say like, feel like they can't afford a accountant right now. 
Is there any tool or software that you personally use that you find is good for like keeping track of, you know, like your PL, like that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in the do-it-yourself stage yeah. and you don't have a bookkeeper, I just use good old Excel. Well, particularly I was using Google Sheets. Yeah. And they have, they have an expense report template mm-hmm. and they have like expense, you know, they have all these crazy templates that you can get for free yeah. and you can start tracking your expenses that way. And I, I didn't have a fancy system. All I did was have the date, the method of payment. So whether it was debit or credit, mm-hmm. what it was for and the amount, like that's, that's all I had. It was not fancy. Yeah. And then copies of my receipts sometimes that I would import into the Google sheet. So that's what I was doing on my own Wow. until I had a bookkeeper and my bookkeeper uses QuickBooks. QuickBooks, you can use yourself. You don't have to hire somebody to do it. Right. I just did because I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Right. <laughs> but um, QuickBooks, you can use as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, and as well to just to give a reality check for those who are in business, is that something you did on a monthly basis? Did you put it on your calendar to, you know, keep up to date with the PNL? Like, mm-hmm. how did you do that on your own? Because like I said, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are kind of unaware of what go, what what work goes into maintaining your own business, right? From the front side, it looks great. It's so mm-hmm. fun to be doing sales and making that much on Instagram and all these different platforms. But how did you keep it consistent for yourself so that you wouldn't get lost, you know, just doing Instagram and, 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 and making content and all those things, right? Because there's still that technical, that savvy yeah. finance aspect of that. Yes. So I personally didn't have much of a routine as I probably should have okay. because my expenses were like kind of sporadic. So because mm-hmm. I was selling a digital product, mm-hmm. it only took me $7 to make my ebook. Mm-hmm. And then I will pay like promotional pages every now and then maybe $300 a week to boost my, my audience. And so that was legit. Like all the expenses I had, it was nothing it was really nothing that crazy. I didn't have too much overhead and which is why I really like digital products because the profit margin was like 97%. It was huge. So um, because I didn't have too many transactions that were going toward expenses, I did it on a monthly basis. Um, Whereas if you're a business owner and you're like, you know, you got expenses going out every day, Mm -hmm. you probably should up the frequency. You should probably be doing it weekly, if not like every day or something. And so any, are there any, I guess, like advice for those who are just starting out, maybe some key, um, I guess like a key outline for like what to do, what to look out for outside of like the taxes and all of that, anything looking back from when you started? Yeah. So I did have to incorporate my business. That's something you should do. But I will say this, some people do it backwards where they're like, okay, I'm going to have an LLC and then I'm going to start my business. I did it the other way where I was like, okay, my business is making money. Now it makes sense to incorporate it. So I just think a lot of people kind of run out there and get LLCs and like they end up not doing anything with it. And it dissolves in two years because it wasn't really a business. You just started, you started putting a title on what you were doing, but you weren't earning any revenue yet. So um, just, just, you know, have that in consideration. Like, are you actually earning money from this or will you be earning money from this? And then it makes sense to go get it, you know, filed with your state. So it's official, official. Ooh, that one's a big one for sure. And I agree with you in, you know, doing it the reverse way of like having the business first starting out. I mean, that's, it's essentially a sole proprietorship, you know, that's just how most people start Mm -hmm. out. And I think once, was there like a certain income level that you waited at before 
turn it into a business I know that's like um, details but I do think that's like helpful for some people because they're like oh at what point am I a business now you know like those are some yeah 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 so I didn't have a monetary amount and I don't even remember when exactly I did I knew I was late though I was I was late to the game so I made my first six figures before I even incorporated um because again the money was coming in rather quickly and I was just like I was still working so I didn't necessarily formalize everything as quickly as maybe I should have. Um, but if, hey, if you're making, you know, $1,000 a week from your business, $500 a week from your business, and it's consistent, go ahead and get the, you know, the LLC. Yeah. And especially too, I think at that point, it's probably hard because you don't want to confuse it with like your personal income yes. or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Another question too, I think I'm really curious about, did you at some point, do, do you separate how you pay yourself from like the sales? Like, do you take just like a flat amount, kind of like a salary and like draw it to yourself or how do you, because as mm-hmm. business owners, we keep that income in that account. And then we have like our own personal checking account. And I think this is again, something that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about, but how do you, how did you personally start to determine, okay, this is how much I'm going to pay myself, or this is how I'm going to, you know, figure out, okay, this is the amount I'll pay myself for this month or this week. Basically when I didn't have a bookkeeper, I was just paying myself whatever I felt like. <laughs> and so like, you know, I was very, again, not legitimate, not formalized. Like I was just happy. I was making money. Until I got, you know, maybe into like year one of my business where every, all the systems started coming together and I started to draw my own salary. The bookkeeper was like, Hey, you need to like pay yourself this way. This is what the IRS expects. Um, And I was like, cool. So I do pay myself a salary now, same as it would be at at a nine to five. I pay myself bi-weekly and it's like 25% of the revenue is toward my salary. Sometimes less. Sometimes I even like, I'm like, okay, I can't pay myself this week because this expense came up. So that happens too. Yeah. And I like that you brought that up because I think that's so important for people to understand is just because your business is making this much, it does not mean you're actually (laughs) taking that and spending it or like using that as part of like, you know, your big income, right? I think that's very separate. So was that something that your bookkeeper helped determine too? Was was she or he, he or she advising, hey, this percentage for is a, it's a good amount for for based on your um sales yeah pretty much um she was also wary of what the IRS expects you to pay yourself as well like you can't pay yourself something unreasonable otherwise you're going to okay. get flagged and they're like okay you made five hundred thousand dollars this year but you paid yourself four thousand nine hundred ninety nine <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't really add up so um, yeah, she did give me like a threshold for how much is reasonable. And she gave me that number. Yes. Got it. Got it. A few last questions here, kind of more on like the personal side. But one mm-hmm. thing that I would love to know is, do you have any advice that you would give to young women, especially in their 20s? Could be on personal or work related, but something mm-hmm. that got you through your own 20s. Ooh, something that got me through my 20s. Yeah. I guess embracing the failure that I went through mm-hmm. for my first business and actually my second business. So my first business was I started in college and I was doing photography and videography and I ended up not being passionate about it. I had an LLC for that and everything too. And I was like, okay, well, 
that was kind of like not my passion anymore. Right. And so I went to my second business, which was in the music industry. And I did that for four years. And I really felt like I let everyone down that, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I was, I had to tell my three artists that like, I can't be your manager. Like mm-hmm. I got to leave. And I felt like I was really, I was guilty for kind of using my parents as a support system right. throughout that whole time Right. Um, that I ended up kind of feeling defeated, mm-hmm. but I turned around because actually, I don't even know why. I think I just got some inspiration. Like, I don't know. I started reading books yeah. and I got my personal finances together. And that's when everything got better for me. Like when I read the books, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. I read Think and Grow Rich yeah. and then The Automatic Millionaire. Okay. That set me up for everything I have today. And that's what I would advise anyone to do is really learn about money. Yeah. Learn how to you know, operate your own personal finance system, learn how to multiply your money. I learned about investing. I learned about how to get an IRA. I learned about health insurance, how to save up for a home. Like I learned all the basics. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that is the reason I got to my first six figures in such a short amount of time Mm. is because I understood money and marketing at the same time. So that helps. Ooh, thank you for mentioning those books too. I would definitely leave those in the show notes. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I have been recommended Think and Grow Rich. I heard that's a good one. Yes, it's a money mindset book. So if you're struggling with, you know, maybe a lot of people sometimes are like money's evil or there's not enough out there for me or like only the rich get money. And it's like, no, like you have to first fix your mindset to understand Mm -hmm. that. It's, it's abundant. Like yeah. money is abundant. It's everywhere. You just have to set yourself up to receive it. Yeah. You have to uh, get the skills to acquire it. Um, so it, it is mindset heavy, but it was very eye-opening. Yeah. This podcast is very focused on mindset. Do you have another, any other book recommendations um, for women, maybe more on like just mindset out, outside of money? Anything that you read mm. over the years that you, that really stands out to you? You're like, Ooh, this one is yeah (laughs) um so I'm pretty sure a lot of people have talked about this book but Atomic Habits Uh, was something I read recently and it definitely did help me out so it was productivity mindset so like how can you be the most productive in life like little life hacks yeah um and that helped me out it was it was personal focus like how to do it for your personal life Mm -hmm. but I did apply a lot to my business as well so that was helpful yeah Ooh, that's a good one. I thank you mm-hmm. for that one too. I read that. I'm yes. reading like rereading some of the chapters because I think it's so helpful with like the habit stuff. It's such a good reminder. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I visit like my little notes and my highlights yeah. all the time. <laughs> From time to time. Yep. I get you on that. Um, okay. Well, last question, and it's something I ask every guest on the show, but Reflecting on your career journey from you know your first business, your second one, and then leading up to figuring out what you are good at now and knowing how to really scale your business. And now that you feel more financially set and, you know, set in your career out of all of that though, what would you say really fulfills you in life? Um, it probably would be the personal side of my life. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, the business is nice. I really do enjoy helping people mm-hmm. whenever I get a success story and someone's like, Hey, I made a thousand dollars because of your techniques. Like that definitely makes me feel good inside. Yeah. But I also like the lifestyle I created for myself because of my business. So I like that, you know, I got married last year. 
Congrats. Great wedding for me. <laughs> Thank you. And now I'm pregnant with twins. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm preparing for that. <laughs> so a lot of like little life things have been happening for me. And that's what's fulfilling me. Like I wake up every day happy with my husband. My belly's growing every day. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I moved back home. Like I'm in my parents' house now. Uh -huh. um, so I moved from Virginia to Florida and I'm like closer to my family. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the little things. Yeah. And I love that you say that too. And, and, I, and I brought up your career because I think obviously, again, outside looking in very easy for people to believe that's, you know, what makes you happy or what makes everyone happy. Right. But like, I yeah. always believe that our meaningful relationships are really what fulfills us in life. And like you said, your family, your mm -hmm. husband, your upcoming twins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's really that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on today. Where can everyone find you and your resources, resources and anything that's coming out in the future? Yes. So you guys can find me online at Ariel Carr. So that's Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Um, resources I have. So I, I mentioned the DMs and captions framework that I use. Mm -hmm. So that caption selling scripts and that DM selling script that has made me literally multi six figures alone mm -hmm. from following this, this system. Right. Um, so you guys can get that and um, it's on my website or you can go through the link in my bio on Instagram. And I do have a free training as well that's coming up. Um, it's called Content That Sells. So it's great for beginners or you know entrepreneurs who aren't making consistent income yet. Yeah. I'm teaching you what I did to make my first six figures and how you can apply it to yourself. And that is also through the link in my bio on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I will share everything that you said links um in the show notes but of course linking to your instagram so they can find everything perfect thank you awesome. thank you so much and that was all for today's conversation with ariel i hope you guys found a lot of value in this conversation i love that ariel advised that you guys learn the concept of money and finance and especially the mindset around money I have always believed if you don't love money, money will not love you back. And like Ariel said, it really is an abundant concept. It's just a mindset that you have to shift into. And it's something that I shifted into over the past two years. And I'm actually currently reading one of the books that Ariel recommended, which is Think and Grow Rich. It is a very famous book. I am halfway through it right now. I was reading it during my solo trip in Paris and Milan. I absolutely love it and would highly recommend it to you guys if you want to have a better concept of how you can attract more income into your life. And I'm going to give you guys a hint. The first step is to believe it and want it and highly recommend go pick up this book. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I would chat with you all in the next one.